opened my eyes and to my disbelief my birthmark was still there and I think at that point God taught me something about prayer <laughs> that actually when we pray we're not always going to get the answer we want so in my head as an eight-year-old God said yes and he was going to get rid of my birthmark but God said no Welcome to the Keswick Convention podcast. I'm your host, James Carey. And my guest this time is a new trustee for Keswick Ministries and also founder and chief executive of the charity Caring Matters Now, Jodie Whitehouse. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I've just said the words Caring Matters Now there, which uh, listeners may be interested to hear more about. Why don't you tell us a bit about what that is and why you set that up? Yeah, sure. So Caring Matters Now is a UK charity and it supports children and adults with a very rare um, skin condition. So the condition's called congenital melanocytic nevus, but in short, we call it CMN. Um, hence why the charity is called Caring Matters Now. Very um, good. Yes. Look, no. um, I have the condition myself. So it's a big dark brown birthmark that covers 80% of my body. So it's all on my back, around my stomach, like a jacket shape, down the top part of my legs. And then I have smaller brown marks on the rest of my body too. They look like moles, the smaller ones. But the large one is something that a lot of people have never seen before. Um, and so as a charity, uh, we support families across the UK. And actually now it's, it's further afield. So we're supporting families globally too. And we raise funds for research through Great Ormond Street Hospital. So... My family started the charity when I was 16. We actually just gave our home telephone number out to the doctor at Great Ormond Street Hospital to pass on to other patients. And as we started to support families, they wanted to then raise awareness about the condition and raise funds for research. And very quickly we realized we needed to set up a charity. So that was 23 years ago. And um, over the past five years, I've been employed by the charity because it's grown to such an extent, we can't really run it on volunteers. Um, so yeah, that's my job. Well, we'll go back in a moment and talk about how you came to faith. But uh, so you're you're caring for people and advising people who are Christian and secular, you know, of all faiths and none. But I guess you're trying to run that charity in a Christian way. Uh, how do you go about doing that? How does the gospel affect how you how you run that charity? So really families get in touch with me when they first have a child born with cmn and often they found us via google and a big brown birthmark so they're not referred by doctors because doctors still don't know much about the condition itself and um, they've just stumbled across across the charity online so when they first reach out to us they're in a very vulnerable situation they're very emotional they have a whole host of questions and they're just seeking some kind of reassurance and hope mm. so the first contact i have with these families is often um emergency support if you like and we offer that by going to visit the families or via the phone or it might be email just dependent on what the family wants and how they want us to support them but very quickly, as families get to know me and my parents and the wider family, they do see something different. And they will ask, how have you coped living with CMN all your life and not knowing anything about it until you were 16 yourself? How have you coped 
so very naturally my faith story comes into it so I say yes I've had supportive family yes I've got supportive friends but actually the bottom line is the reason who I am and what I do is because the faith I have in God Mm. and it then often opens up uh, a conversation to be able to talk about my faith Uh, naturally it's never forced and I would never force my faith on anyone who connects with the charity it always comes because they've initiated the question and then I've just try to respond faithfully to to God's word, to the gospel, and to what I believe is true. Mm. Um, And it's often uh, very well received because they've got to know me, I've earned their trust, and then people, uh, they're willing to listen. Yeah. I can just thinking back to, you know, the first time we had our first child and just how incredibly chaotic and terrifying it was and I can just I can I can imagine what those phone calls are like just people desperate for reassurance that everything's go everything's fine though isn't it it's fine it's so what does this mean it must be incredible to have that uh opportunity to to be there with them uh for that and it's great that you're able to share your your story with them and your faith with them when, when it's appropriate why don't we talk a bit about that what what is the story that you tell about how you came to faith yeah sure so um, really, so I was born with this condition uh, 39 years ago, and for the first 15 years of my life, I never met anyone else with it. Uh, I didn't know a name for the condition. I had over 30 operations at Alder Hay Children's Hospital in Liverpool, um, and I missed all in all about three years of schooling. Goodness. So, as a child, I felt very isolated, I mm. felt quite lonely, I felt very different to my peers. Um, I had times where I questioned why me? Why have I got this big birthmark that no one knows anything about? And my siblings don't even have a small freckle on their skin. <laughs> it's just me. And I guess because of that um, kind of suffering and pain, I guess, I went through as a child, it just made me realise how fragile this life is at a young age and how it loosened my grip on this world. <laughs> and made my grip much tighter on the gospel. So I was brought up in a Christian home. Um, My parents faithfully took me and my three siblings to church every week. We went through the children's ministry, through youth ministry. Um, And so I've always known the gospel has been taught at home very faithfully. But I'd say it was at the age of six when I remember sitting in a children's club at church And I was told about heaven and how amazing heaven was and the promise of heaven for those that trust in Jesus. So it was very black and white for me. It was very much like, well, I want to be in a relationship with Jesus. I want him to forgive me for my sin. And I want to have the reassurance that there is more beyond this life. And uh, in a simple way, I put my trust in Christ at the age of six. And that was the very beginning of the journey. So then as I look back now over my life, I see I've ebbed and flowed with my faith. So I feel like there's been times when I've clung onto the cross tighter than ever before because sin has just been revealed to me so much deeper. There's been times where I've really struggled throughout my operations and just everything that came with living with CMN, that I've clung onto the cross tighter. And there's been other times in my life where I felt like things were okay and I was coping and I was 
I had nice friendship groups and I probably loosened my hands um, on God. And it's those times where I felt disconnected to him. Not, not fully, but definitely I wasn't as attached to him. And I feel, um, I remember one time when I was about eight and I remember sitting in the bath and I looked down at my skin and just saw this big birthmark. And I truly believed that God could get rid of it. So I sat there and I put my hands together and I prayed and I said, Jesus, please remove this big birthmark when I open my eyes. Amen. And I opened my eyes and to my disbelief, my birthmark was still there. And I think at that point, God taught me something about prayer. Mm -hmm. Actually, when we pray, we're not always going to get the answer we want. So my head as an eight-year-old, God said yes, and he was going to get rid of my birthmark. But God said no, and God can say no, God can say yes, and God can say not now. And it's only now that I can look back over my life, I can see why God said no. Because of my CMN, because of everything I've been through, I've stayed closer to him and I've clung on to him. I've lessened the grip on this world and I've tightened my grip on my faith. And actually, it's because of my CMN that I am I'm stronger within my faith. Um, and if he got rid of that, I probably have loosened my grip on him thinking I can cope in this life. When actually <laughs> I realise I can't, I need yeah. him. That's really encouraging as you look back uh, at that moment. That That's interesting. That's really burned in your memory. But I guess you can look back now and have that reflection. But presumably in your as you were growing up in your teenage years as well, you were consistently reading gospel accounts of Jesus healing people, uh, particularly with skin diseases and skin conditions. Uh, how how did that make you feel and how and you know presumably that was very difficult for you yes I knew God could heal me without a shadow of a doubt um, but I also knew that God is a good God a loving God and a kind God and he doesn't make a mistake so yes he could heal me but if he chooses not to it's for his glory and it's for my good so even though I can't grasp that and I can't mm. get my head around it I know it's a truth so rather than my, me basing my faith in God on feelings, because they ebb and flow, over the years I've learned to base my faith on fact. So when I look at God's words, I read facts about God's character. And I trust yeah. in that rather than in my feelings, which some days I feel closer to God, other days I can feel more disconnected to God. And I've got to cling on to who he is because of what the Bible tells me rather than how I feel. And you see that actually God may choose not to heal me from CMN. And actually now I can see why, which is amazing that God's given me that blessing. Because of my CMN, I have got this whole arena of people who want to know about my faith, want to know how I've coped in suffering. They, they, yeah, they want the answers. So if I didn't have CMN, I wouldn't have these gospel opportunities that I have now, which is incredible. That is amazing. Well, what a great uh, and encouraging testimony. It sounds like, therefore, you spent a lot of time in your life in prayer in various ways. And this is something that, you know, 80% of Christians, I'm sure, say that praying is something they find very hard and the other 20% are probably lying. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's a, those are stats pulled from the air and made up. But uh, you, I think you get the point that prayer is something that we all feel 
or that many of us feel at least that we find hard why why is it so hard given also after we've prayed how extraordinarily positive we tend to feel and you know what I mean it's it's almost supernatural how hard prayer is isn't it why don't you say about how how your prayer life has developed over the years well I said earlier on I think uh my grip on this world has loosened and my grip on my faith with God has tightened. And that's because of everything I've been through in my life. Um, and I think definitely at the age of eight, when I prayed in the bath for God mm. to get me to CMN, he taught me that I've heard your prayer, but I've said no. And it's my glory and your good. And you don't know that right now, but I'm going to re- reveal it to you in the future. And that has happened. And then I, when looking back again, I would say the times where I felt connected to God and prayer the most has been times where I felt out of control. And don't you see this throughout the mm. Bible? Like, oh, yeah, people of faith who've like trusted God and then all of a sudden they think they can cope themselves and then they loosen their grip on him. And I can see that in my own life. Um, and But I think as I've grown in my faith over the years, as I've read God's word more and as my love for him has grown uh, prayer has now become a, a part of my everyday life so I do not sit down every single morning and pray for 20 minutes because I've got three young children running around hmm. the house so I don't get that chance but what I find is now God is weaved into every area of my life so if I'm standing and doing the dishes and washing lots of baby bottles, I can I start thinking about God. I will think about a passage from the Bible, like my favorite verses will come into my head. And through that, I'm praying. So it's not a conscious effort where I've sat down with my Bible open and I've read a passage mm. and I'm praying into that passage. It's part of now just my everyday life, wanting to be in communion with God when I'm feeling stressed or impatient, <laughs> mm. uh, then I will just throw up an arrow prayer. You often hear it called. I'll just call out to God in those moments of need. And I've probably learned to do that more because of the times in my life where I found it very difficult to cope with all that I went through throughout my childhood. So for some in different seasons of life as well, you, you know, you, you want to get into rhythms and habits and good habits of prayer, because there are going to be those times when all those rhythms just sort of go out the window and you have different rhythms uh, where life is more chaotic. Hello, Kate here from Keswick Ministries. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not check out Keswick's other podcast, Kes Talks. There is a selection of talks from God's Word given at the Keswick Convention that we hope and pray will be particularly helpful to people in the times we face now. Kes Talks. Available on iTunes, Spotify, and your podcasting apps. Well, let's talk a little bit about how, as a maybe as a church, especially during lockdown, um, you might have been trying to uh, manage prayer as a church. How, how has that been successful? And I should say to listeners, the reason we're talking about this is because you are going to be, uh, Jody, you're going to be leading the prayers for the Virtual Keswick Convention. So uh, that's that's where we're going to end up. But how have you found it as a as a as a family and a member of a church and a member of a church family praying corporately? How's that gone for you? 
Well, how much has times changed over these past five months? <laughs> no one expected to be where we are now. So very quickly, the church I go to, which is Grace Church in Halewood, which is the south side of Liverpool, very quickly we had to adapt to how we how we met together so like many churches across the UK we meet uh, via zoom on a Sunday evening and we'll have time of prayer and I really like that because you can see everybody and it feels like you're you're connected to your church family and also on a Wednesday we have um, a midweek prayer update so the pastor of our church will do a video and he will talk about the prayer needs in the church and how we can pray for one another and there'll be a devotion. And um, that's all, that's been really helpful as well because I think when you get those emails, it encourages you and it brings you together in prayer, albeit not physically together, but virtually together. We're praying into the same needs within the church family. Um, and just, you know, what I found the biggest blessing during lockdown is, yes, I've had to have three very young children at home with me, age five, three and one, just to give you an idea. Mm. <laughs> but this is a unique opportunity where I'm not sending my five year old into school every day. He's at home and I am educating him. Now, I am not the cleverest person you will ever meet by far. But what I found is that actually I want to teach Caleb the gospel and if I can teach him maths by looking at stories in the bible then I will do that if I can teach him English by reading bible stories I'll do that so actually this has been an absolute blessing because we've been able to pray to, we've had more time as a family to be together and therefore we've been able to study God's word to better together we've been able to pray together we've been able to do devotions in the morning through faith and kids that if you've heard faith and kids but they do daily devotions and I just feel we as a family unit have been closely connected to God throughout lockdown because everything else in life that clogs your life up actually is gone and we're not allowed to leave the house we've had to stay at home and therefore we've been able to take this opportunity as a real time to invest in our children and in my marriage with adam and in our family unit and within the church in prayer we really have and it's been looking back it's it's been a real blessing mm. yeah no i think a lot of people would would understand that even though obviously there have been uh, real challenges and difficulties for some the virtually kids convention is is coming up at the end of this month at the end of july and uh, why don't you say a bit about what what the plan is for you and for praying during the keswick convention yeah sure so what's going to happen is on the tuesday to friday of the virtual keswick convention each morning we're going to start in prayer so it's going to be from 9 a.m till 9 30. So Matt um, Seals is going to be leading prayer on Tuesday and Thursday, and I'm leading prayer on the Wednesday and Friday. And the way we're doing that, we're going to do a, a short devotion to start off with. And then we're going to split into thinking of different areas of prayer over 20 minutes. So we're going to pray for five minutes into one area of prayer. So we're going to be praying to mission about persecuted church, about the virtual Keswick program and people who are involved in that, praying for them. And then praying for our own situations, our own church, our own walk with God and our own mission field on our doorstep. So it's a half an hour prayer meeting, but it's been broken down into bite-sized topics, which we'll pray through 
each day. Um, so that's how we're going to start each morning from the Tuesday to the Friday. Mm, that's exciting. And so this is um, also partly because you, you've now joined the trustees of Keswick Ministries. Do you want to say a bit about how that came about, why why you were keen to do that? Because it sounds like you kind of got your hands full uh, with with three kids and running uh, Caring Matters now. What is it about Keswick Ministries that, that makes you excited and wanting to uh, bless them in that way? Do you know what? That's a story in itself. It really is. So I got involved as a trustee because of what a blessing the convention's been to me over many years. So before I worked for Caring Matters now, I worked for a Christian charity um and i also worked for my local church as well here grace church doing mission and outreach work but when i worked for this christian charity i was actually based in base camp um, and i was on a stall for the charity that i worked for but i going to keswick each year in a work capacity for this charity i actually was able to go along to the talks and to the seminars and and plug into many of the events that took place and there was one year that i was there it was 2010 and i was really really convicted by my own mission so i was working for a mission charity and i was focusing on uh, like eastern europe and africa and asia but my focus here at home in Liverpool was very minimal because everything I was focusing on was away from, from the UK. Mm. And I felt so convicted about this at the Keswick Convention. I came home and I spoke to the elders of our church and I basically started ministry training and I did a two-year ministry training course. And then um, since then, I'm involved very a lot within the ministry work of our local church and overseeing evangelism um and that all stemmed from my time at keswick convention and i thought for years i would love to be more involved in keswick ministries how could i do that and then i and then i think no jody you can't because you're doing cmn stuff church stuff raising mm. kids how and i just didn't see how i could fit that into my life mm. um and then a few years ago, I was asked from by a friend who was running the youth work at Keswick Ministries if I would go into the youth tent and give my testimony. And I, I did that. Um, and within the tent was a trustee from Keswick and they heard my testimony. And ever since then, the uh, past few years, I've stayed in, in touch uh, with this guy. And he invited me to his own church to go and give my testimony. And I think it was him that basically put my name forward to become a trustee. And mm. um, so when I was asked, I was literally thrilled because in my heart, I prayed for opportunities to be involved in Keswick Ministries. Then humanly speaking, I was thinking, there's no way I've got time to do this. And then God gave me this opportunity of becoming a trustee. So I, on the board, I just try and support in the best way I can. Um, and I think because of my background of charity work and fundraising and marketing, I think that's the kind of area um, of Keswick Ministries that I am supporting the most, I guess, as well as doing the prayer meetings as well. <laughs> so Absolutely. It's, we're all slightly growing each year, but that's fine because I absolutely love it. And it's just a blessing to be mm. able to serve uh, on the trustee board. That was really interesting. You were saying that you were praying for opportunities. And I guess that's one thing. Uh, one, you were praying for opportunities to serve the Keswick Convention, the Keswick Ministries. And I wonder if that is one thing that gets left off the list quite easily, is that our prayers are often reactive mm -hmm. and our prayers are often 
praying for needs that we feel that are immediate in our own lives or the lives of other people, but actually praying for our own fruitfulness, for our own evangelism. You know, we like specific things to pray for, maybe. Next Tuesday, we've got an evangelistic night. and We're praying for this. And and then next month, this is going to happen. Just praying more generally um, is, a, you know, it's a hard discipline to do, but we need to get on with that, don't we? Definitely. And I think over the years, um, I've just seen how God has brought across my path people um, who have who I've been able to engage in conversation with about my faith. And it's not in my power or my strength that I do it at all. It's all because of God. So he chooses to use me. Um, this Scouse girl that nobody can really understand who has got five GCSEs to a name, like literally, like, but God uses weak people because it's in his strength that we can be on mission, not in our own strength. It's got to be the work of the Holy Spirit. So what a blessing that he chooses to use us within his saving work. He doesn't need to, but he tr- chooses to use his church and his people. And it's, it's an amazing, it's just amazing to be a part of his mission. Well, that's really encouraging uh, to hear. And just before I let you go, um, I've just been looking at your your biog uh, on the Keswick Ministries website and seen that you said that over the years, God has very much remained faithful to his promise of directing my path. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. And I'm going to put you on the spot there and say, what is it about those verses, which obviously you can recite, that have been really encouraging to you? Okay, well, the verses are, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. And you know what? Throughout my life, I have not understood CMN. I've not understood much in school. I've not understood much that's going on around me and why things happen. But in it all, if I acknowledge him, he will direct my path. And at the time, you may struggle to believe that. But when you look back over your life, you see very clearly how God has directed my path. And he's weaved into my life people who've influenced me, godly people, people with so much godly wisdom that I've been able to glean from and have helped me along my journey as I've grown in my faith and my love of Jesus. So those verses just ring true to me so much because, yeah, he he has clearly directed my path. Even to becoming a trustee at Keswick, I wouldn't have thought that in a million years. So when I'm praying for opportunities to serve at Keswick, in my head, I'm thinking maybe youth work or maybe, I don't know, children's work. I'd never thought about becoming a trustee, but God's plans are far bigger and far better than our own. And isn't it fantastic that we can rest in that? We need to acknowledge him in all things. How can we acknowledge him? Reading his words and praying. Pray to him, asking him to direct our path, and he will. And we, what? There's so much freedom in that. We're not forcing our way through this life. We're basically allowed, allowing God to lead us throughout the, throughout our lives. Well, that's a brilliant way to end the podcast, Jody. Thanks so much for joining us, and um, really look forward to uh, praying with you uh, during virtually Keswick. Um, that's going to be great. Thank you very much, Jody. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.